0: Welcome back, everyone. Good to see people. I want to, this morning, or which is also for others this afternoon and this evening, so this morning, this afternoon, this evening, I want to explore awakening, the core intention of our practice to awaken and to help others awaken. And along with that I want to explore the some of the beautiful qualities that are qualities we might say of the awakened being of the awakened mind heart and body. I'm doing that partly to complement what we've been looking at the last few sessions actually going back uh, probably the last 6 or 7 sessions We've been focusing a little bit more on some of the challenges of practices of practice, some of the difficulties, difficult emotions, difficult mind states. We've been looking at how to practice with reactivity, which is at the center of practice, but it's more focusing where with uh, where we get stuck. Really crucial, and you know I mentioned uh, last time. How, somewhat um, curiously, in my own work with people, uh, particularly the one-on-one work, I've noticed in the last two weeks um, considerably more difficulty and distress. Some of it individually based, some of it related to family, relationships, uh, work situations... Uh, and some of it related to the fires in California. Uh, I've reported hearing more of that, and some of that's uh, a lot of that's continued to happen in the last week. And then we also have these very uh, difficult, often painful events happening that are on many people's minds, whether it's Afghanistan or Haiti with the um, earthquake and the hurricane or the fires in uh, California and elsewhere. Not to mention the the continuing pandemic. And of course, all the large systemic issues, uh, racism, economic inequality, um, and so forth. So we've been focusing particularly on how to be skillful when those uh, challenging experiences are there. And yet it's also crucial to give emphasis to the beautiful qualities to give emphasis to the um, qualities that we might connect with awakening, the qualities of the mind and heart that are are beautiful, uh, with mindfulness, with uh, the, the capacity for our consciousness to be still, to be awake, to be full of energy, even to be full of, of light, for our bodies to be full of the subtle energy that can feel sometimes like this is the energy of the universe that uh, connects us with everything. We can experience that at times. We can have a sense of balance and equanimity increasingly no matter what happens. We can have kindness and, and joy and care in the midst of things. And so it can be quite important. This was partly the guidance in the meditation to emphasize these beautiful qualities and you could call them in a way qualities of the awakened uh, mind, heart, and body. And so I want to focus there and really point to how a kind of balance is crucial in our practice where we Uh, give attention to both these beautiful and awakened qualities that actually help us then to at times give attention to where we get stuck, what's difficult, where we get a little bit lost, where we get caught in a negative story and so forth. And that both of them are crucial. So I wanted to invite you to reflect, and some of this may have come up in the uh, guided meditation, just to reflect on the one or two or three uh, beautiful qualities which may have been there today, earlier, have been there in the last week. You know, some like some of the ones I mentioned. Uh, mindfulness, clear seeing, equanimity, qualities of the heart. Just reflect on some of the qualities that have been there for you in the last period of time. And reflect on how, if you wanted to uh, share this, you might express it in one sentence or just a few words. What are some of the qualities? And let me invite, as I invited last time, Just a few people to share either a phrase or a sentence, not more than that, expressing what we might call an awakened quality, a beautiful quality of mind, heart, and body. Anyone like to just share in a phrase or sentence? Uh, Carolyn, please. Uh, Unmute, please, Carolyn. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Beautiful. We have uh two or three other people share. Just just a few words. Wadia, please. Hi. Hey, good afternoon. Beautiful. Burst burst of energy and joy. Well, wow. yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much, Wadiya. Yeah. One or two more? Anyone like to share? Uh, Ethan, please. Yeah. Yeah, humor, which may be connected with spaciousness, right? That's, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Could be connected with equanimity as well. Yeah. Maybe one more. Anyone like to share? Uh, Audrey, please. Audrey and then Anna, and then we'll complete. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, Patience, definitely an important enlightened quality. Yeah, thank you. And Anna, please. yeah yeah so so joy and what uh yeah appreciation yeah 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 thank you, thank you very much anna so again, in the guided meditation, I was inviting this uh attentiveness to the beautiful qualities you know, I think I mentioned last time uh the uh Psychologist uh, Rick hansen who who makes use a lot out of of uh uh the neurosciences says we sometimes have uh what uh, uh, velcro for the negative and Teflon for the positive right <laughs> so um, so it's very helpful to look at these beautiful qualities and yeah, so I wanted to explore that sense of um, awakening and I was thinking of my own initial practice uh, when I was first starting. I thought that the um, voyage to awakening would just go through the positive, uh, quite quite naive. Uh, I thought I would just have positive, beautiful, wonderful experiences and I, as I often like to joke, uh, if we look at our advertising for many of our uh, centers like Spirit Rock or others, uh, I haven't looked recently, but I imagine that it emphasized a little bit more the positive. And I thought, okay, meditation, I'll just, and actually for me, it was partly related to, uh, wanting to, uh, reproduce, uh, psychedelic experiences that, that played a role. And, um, uh, and that happened to some extent. <laughs> it was interesting, but, um, Uh, Then, not long after I started, I started having also challenging experiences. I remember I had one whole retreat after about a year of practice, which was just about fear. I had a lot of fear, and I could watch some of my own self-image kind of crumbling. It was not not easy. It was scary. And yet there was the mindfulness to hold it. And I know I experienced uh, over a few years sort of a almost like a rotation of developing these beautiful qualities and having beautiful experiences that I had never had before, like where the whole body became filled with energy, almost like filled with light, or the mind got very, very quiet, amazingly so. But then also, I think related to opening was the ability to open to what was hard or what was unresolved, the, you know, the fear or the anger or the, Uh, self-judgment and so forth. And so I noticed that happening. And I think uh, a wise perspective is to hold them uh, both as really important, as I mentioned earlier, to have this rhythm. Sometimes we can go into the beautiful qualities and hang out there longer and, and, and emphasize them. And sometimes we're more called to be with what's hard or what's uh, difficult again sometimes we we don 't have a choice on that, obviously, um, so having that in mind is really, really helpful and today, I want to focus on what we might call the awakened qualities and the very nature of awakening, the nature of the awakened mind, heart, and body, really right at the heart of the Buddhist tradition, and I think very linked to what we find in other spiritual traditions. What is awakening? What are the qualities which manifest in awakening? How do we develop more these, these awakened qualities? And I was also thinking about this, and probably will give some attention to it next time as well. That something I mentioned last time, I was talking with a friend, and we were talking about the need for people who are more and more awakened to help with the challenges of this world. What would it be like if you had a million people who were pretty awake, had a lot of these beautiful qualities and also had enough experience to really be with the hard stuff? Because I think they go together. What would it be like if you had a million people who could work together, maybe sometimes locally, sometimes more nationally or internationally. I think we need that. So I I will talk about that idea maybe some next week. So I'm going to talk for the rest of the time about awakening and the nature of awakening. And I had fun preparing for today because I prepared a bunch of slides that we're going to see in just a moment. Some slides and some of them you'll see me like, not not quite yet. Not quite yet, uh, Tolan, but you saw the first slide, a preview, unexpected. Uh, So um, I'm going to show some slides and they'll include slides of uh, at least one or two of them of me quite a number of years ago. You'll see me as a young meditator. Okay, so um, the teachings of the Buddha are that the aim of our practice is awakening. And there are different ways that awakening is talked about. Sometimes it's talked about, this is probably the predominant way, it's talked about more negatively by the Buddha. He talks about awakening as the uh, absence of greed, hatred, and delusion, or we might say habitual... Grasping, habitual, pushing away, aversion. All based on certain delusion about ourselves, about the nature of the mind, who we are. And that's the predominant way that the Buddha talks about awakening. So there's a suggestion that we can go beyond all reactivity, that this is part of the potential of being a human being. Later Buddhist traditions would talk about there being Buddha nature, something deep in our being that's often covered over, that actually has, we might say, the seeds of these beautiful qualities, call call them love, compassion, wisdom, clarity, equanimity, energy, joy, a lot of what was named by people. The teachings are that this is our core human potential and that it's in every being. Even those who do um, unskillful or what we might call horrible things have this Buddha nature. It's, it's actually universal. In, in In China, they actually had discussions. I don't think they went on in India in the same way. In China, they had discussions whether... Uh, non-humans had uh, Buddha nature as well. You know, do dogs, do birds, do squirrels have Buddha nature, right? And I think, you know, there were different views, but I think a lot of the views in China were that, yes, Buddha nature is not just about human beings. I think relevant in many ways for other issues. So there's there's that teaching that uh, our deepest nature has these awakened qualities, and yet our our being, as it were, is impacted by greed, hatred, and delusion, or a greed, compulsive aversion, not seeing clearly and the aim of the practice is actually to come to full awakening to eliminate greed, aversion and ignorance or delusion, very, very profound intention. Sometimes this intention gets lost in contemporary practice. I think we can see that most easily. Sometimes in some approaches, we just draw mindfulness out from the tradition. And the emphasis is just on being mindful, which is very valuable. But it may lose the emphasis on awakening. And of the the tremendous potential that is is there, you know, or we might we might we might uh, not have that, you know, not have those beautiful qualities be there. And so the Buddha taught that awakening is possible. He gave a number of different teachings and practices, such as the. One central uh, teaching was called the uh, uh, Factors of Awakening. You know, the factors that develop uh, bodhi. The term that the Buddha used for awakening is bodhi. The, the root is budh B-U-D-H. Bodhi is spelled B-O-D-H-I. And it comes from the ordinary word to wake up or to awaken. And so he's giving a kind of metaphor that we are as if we're sleepwalkers. There's an aspect of our lives in which we're as if not fully awake, but we think we are. Right? And so that was the metaphor that the Buddha used. And the, all of the training is to cultivate the factors of awakening. I've mentioned them before. Mindfulness is one, and then there are three qualities which are developed, which are energizing. Inquiry inquiry or investigation, uh, energy, including the energy of the body, and then joy and even rapture. These are qualities that are fully present when we're awake. And then there are three more stabilizing qualities, tranquility, concentration, and equanimity. And cultivating these qualities is to cultivate awakening. And so a lot of our practice, we're doing that. We're developing mindfulness. When we look a lot at reactivity as we've been doing the last few weeks, or our challenges, look at difficult emotions, We're developing equanimity, because equanimity is developed by hanging out with what's difficult and getting more familiar, getting more familiar and more, in a way, comfortable being uncomfortable. That's a way to say it. Equanimity is being more comfortable being uncomfortable. So we're developing developing all these qualities. This is a passage about that uh, the Buddha gave about these factors of awakening. Those who fully cultivate the factors of awakening give up grasping, enjoy non-clinging, and have destroyed the toxins. They are luminous and completely liberated in this life. And there are a number of different uh, teachings that express this. You know, the Buddha gave many 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 teachings one uh, one large collection of teachings is called the wings of awakening and there are 37 of these not taught that often sometimes we've done these in longer retreats we teach uh, the wings of the 37 wings of awakening and actually it's it's also called the seven sets because this is what the Buddha thought were the seven most essential teachings that he gave so they're the Seven Factors of Awakening, and the uh, Four Ways of Skillful Effort, the Four Foundations of Mindfulness, the Noble Eightfold Path, and some other teachings, the Five Spiritual Faculties, the Four Bases of Power, and so forth. You add all those up, they come up to 37. And In these, there's the emphasis, again, both on eliminating greed, hatred, and delusion and developing the positive qualities. The Buddha didn't talk too much about what awakening actually is. He talked about the qualities that are there, but he didn't talk so much about what we see when we're awake, what it's like, or what the mind is like, what the body is like, other than through these different qualities. Um, But at times he did, at times he talked in a more developed way about the uh, positive qualities of awakening and I want to give some attention to those because they're quite beautiful and this is where uh, in a moment I'll, I'll show some slides because the Buddha talked about what an awakened mind is like some, mostly he talked about it negatively, the absence of greed, hatred and delusion. But sometimes he talked about it as in identifying the seven factors of awakening. There's a chant that's done often, in, um, particularly in uh, Buddhist countries, which identifies some of the qualities uh, actually that are there with the awakened mind or the ways to go there. It goes like this, Swakato Bhagavata Dhammo Sanditiko, akaliko um pasiko bachatangwe ditipo These are naming the qualities of the core teachings. Basically, if I translated that it would mean discovered and well proclaimed by the Buddha, apparent here and now directly visible, timeless, immediate, experienceable by the wise. So he's basically saying that this awakening is always available, even if we're stuck in a given moment. Because that Buddha nature is there, awakening is always present, is always present, even if it's covered over. So this is actually the good news. We don't actually manufacture awakening. To a large extent, we don't have to do anything. We have to just get out of the way. And awakening is there. Isn't that interesting? And so this comes back to those teachings I gave quite a while ago about not doing. And there's a profound way that if we can learn to just let our our being be present, the awakening occurs like that. But there are also the practices that help open it up, that work with difficult qualities and so forth. And there also are some very interesting passages in the Buddha, not very many of them, where the Buddha talked quite positively, positively meaning uh, uh, he identified the qualities of awakening. There's... uh, there are passages where he talked about a kind of consciousness that is signless, boundless, luminous, and uh, this is really these are really referring to a kind of consciousness which we might call awakened awareness, which is available, which can, is something we can access and hang out, signless and means really beyond concepts. So this is pointing to quality of our experience. It's possible to experience going beyond all concepts and constructions. That's possible. Boundless means that we have a kind of awareness which has no boundaries, which is infinite, which goes in all directions. It's also luminous. It has that quality. This is is from the Buddha. Where consciousness is signless, boundless, all luminous, that's where earth, water, fire, and air find no footing. Long and short, small and great, fair and foul, name and form are wholly destroyed. So he's basically saying it's beyond all conceptual constructions. And I imagine sometimes we experience this. How many maybe have just for a moment had something like that experience where the mind is quiet, something is there, I think even some of those experiences that were named of joy, if we tune into them, that may have aspects of that experience. Or maybe we experience that when we're in the wilds or by the ocean, where the immensity of the earth is there. How many maybe have experienced something like that in the wilds? Or, yeah. So this is, this is I'm seeing most hands up. So this is, this is familiar. Um, Another passage, the Buddha says, where neither water nor yet earth, nor fire nor air gain a foothold. There gleam no stars, no sun sheds light. There shines no moon, yet yet no darkness reigns. When a sage, a Brahmin, has come to know this for oneself, through one's wisdom, one, one is freed from form, one is freed from formless, one is freed from the attachment to pleasure and pain. And I want to share a little bit from two traditions that have also expressed this, this teaching about awakening more positively. You know, and, and again, mostly what we have in the teachings is, is expressed more negatively, the absence of greed, hatred, and delusion. But there are also more positive ones. And in my own experience, I'll, I'll share from two traditions that I know from my own experience. One is the Thai forest tradition and the other is the Tibetan uh, Tibetan Zogchen and Mahamudra traditions. So, I want to take us on a little voyage first to Thailand. You ready? Get ready to go to Thailand? Okay, I'll, I'll share some teachings from some of the people I've studied with myself and you'll see some pictures of me from a long time ago. Whether I'm in an awakened state, you'll have to you'll have to make your own assessment. Okay? So we can start with the slides now. So this is uh we're, we're we're going to Thailand. Here we are in Thailand. This is a standing Buddha image in Bangkok. I don't know how high, quite high, maybe 30 40 feet high. Next image. There's a reclining Buddha, a very immense Immense size, golden golden Buddha. Next slide. These are temples. And Buddha. Next slide. This is uh, an image of the capital of Thailand for over four hundred years, and now it's in the countryside Ayutthaya. Another image now. Next, also from Ayutthaya. We have a sense of a culture that was centered around awakening for periods of time. Next slide. And I'm going to share some quotations and some stories from the Thai forest tradition, which is one of the traditions that brings out these more positive qualities of awakening. So this is an image from around 1900. There was a tradition of wandering monks, particularly. The, uh, the nun's order had died out in South and Southeast Asia and it's been coming back very strongly recently. And so these are uh, wandering monks around over a hundred years ago. And the Next slide. There was a, a teacher who was very much responsible for the development of this Thai forest tradition, he had studied with a teacher named Achan Saw. This is a Chan Moon, who wandered around the forest in Thailand and Burma for many, many years, and was, I think, something like a spiritual genius. And you can actually read a biography of him and their texts that he gave. Although he didn't, he didn't write very much. He spoke. Of awakening being connected with what he called the primal mind. This is from Achan Mun. The primal mind is radiant and clear by nature, but is darkened because of corruption, such as greed, aversion, delusion. And so another slide of Achan Mun. Oh, no, this is is Mei Chi Chao. So Mei Chi Chao was a student. About Achan Mun, and she reported being very, very stable with experiences of this unbounded, luminous, signless awareness that the Buddha talked about. This is from a biography of Mei-Chi Chao. Mei-Chi Chao had investigated and understood conceptual phenomena so thoroughly that the clear, bright essence no longer made conscious contact with him. In other words, she had gone beyond, she was able at, time, you know, at times, often for long times, to go beyond concepts and constructs. Thought and imagination within the mind had come to a complete halt. The mind's essential knowing nature stood out alone on its own, except for an exceedingly refined awareness, an awareness that suffused the entire cosmos Absolutely nothing appeared. Mind transcended conditions of time and space. A luminous essence of being that seemed boundless, yet wondrously empty, permeated everything throughout the universe. Everything seemed to be filled by a subtle quality of knowing as if nothing else existed. Cleansed of the things that clouded and obscured its all-encompassing essence, her mind revealed its true power. So she was able to abide in this awakened awareness, we can call it, often for long periods of time. Next slide. Another image. This is actually an image of a book, which is a biography of her, which I think you can probably get on the Internet. as a PDF file. Just uh, download it for free. She was a student of Achan Mun. Another student of Achan Mun is Achan Mahabua. Next slide. This is him as a young man, as a teacher. He lived almost a hundred years. I met him in the nineteen uh, nineties when I was uh, in Thailand for a period of time. The next slide. This is an image of him as a, as an older teacher. Again, he lived almost a hundred years. Lived in in the uh, northern part of Thailand, in a monastery. And in fact, we can have the next slide show some images from the monastery. These are my own photographs. This is the monastery, uh, the main hall in the monastery when no one was there. And next slide. This is the the forest. Uh, People walked in the forest and uh, it was set in the forest. Next slide this is uh this is the place where you went for showers and toilet at the monastery next slide Oh, this is younger donald <laughs> at the monastery so I used to have a mustache so, okay next slide this is uh this is a cottage uh if you were at the monastery, you had a cottage and you lived in a little, called a kuti. you lived in a Akuti in the forest, and would come together for talks at times, come together for meals. Next slide. This is, uh, I think this was the cottage I was staying in, and then be, you know, was, they were, there, you know, these people were very generous, they gave me this cottage. So, so this is from, as you can imagine, being in the forest, this is this is Achan Mahabua talking about that quality of, of what I'm calling awakened awareness, which again, it sounds like we've all tasted it at times, but, it, but the point is one can practice so it gets considerably stronger and more stable. This is Achan Mahabua speaking. When the mind becomes a pure mind, we can't say that the mind is above or below, or in any particular spot. So again, there's this quality of it being boundless. It's an awareness that is pure, an awareness that is subtle and profound, above and beyond any and all conventions, so meaning beyond ordinary concepts. Even so, we're still veering into conventions when we say it's refined. <clears throat> we, we can't say that the awareness is high or low, has a point or center, because it doesn't have one at all. Even though it's in the midst of everything, it's not that way anymore. It's apart from everything, in a sense. And then one last teacher, I think. Uh, This is, uh, next slide. This is Achan Cha, whom I also got to meet and study with some. Um, He lived also in northern Thailand. Had a monastery and um, was a student of many well-known western teachers including uh, jack cornfield uh, uh and Kitasaro, achan semedo next slide so here's an, this is an image probably from the early 1970s on uh, in the at the front is achan cha achan in thai just means teacher by the way and then on the right is jack cornfield as a monk as a young man, probably in his 20s. And Achan Samedo in the middle. Next slide. This is uh, Achan Cha when he visited uh, the Insight Meditation Society in Massachusetts in 1979. He, d- he led a retreat for about two weeks, and I was, I was part of that retreat. Next slide. He was um, very humorous, playful, Next slide. I don't know if you can see so well, but uh, this is a a photo of the uh, Vachan Cha and all the retreatants. And I don't know if you can see, let me see if I can do, see right here. Can you see my little, right at the uh, person with hair parted there. Can you see that? Anyway, that's me or past me, meditator in my 20s, 1979. Next slide. Okay, well let's, let's go back to that last one. We're getting a little bit ahead. No, let's go, let's go, go back. Okay, there we are. So this is from Achan Shah. He said, as I see it, the mind is like a single point, the center of the universe. Mental states are like visitors. Get to know these visitors well. Become familiar with them. But do not give up your seat. In the middle, it is the only seat around. If you continue to occupy it unceasingly, greeting each guest as it comes, firmly establishing yourself in awareness, transforming yourself into the one who knows, the one who is awake, the visitors will eventually stop coming back. Then your mind will be at peace. And he also, this is also from Achan Cha, we are practicing to reach the old mind, This original mind is unconditioned. There are no good or bad, long or short, black or white. It is unwavering and tranquil. We practice to go back to this old mind. and I'm calling that awakened awareness. And I'm saying that all of these descriptions are pointing to something very similar. And I'll give two more descriptions. The next one is from, uh, uh, next two are from Tibetan traditions. Next slide. This is from the 14th century, Longchenpa. He says this, awakened mind is by nature primordially pure. The true nature of phenomena is such that there is nothing to discard or adopt, nothing that comes or goes, nothing to achieve by trying. Rather, there is utter lucidity which arises when one rests naturally is in the spacious expanse that is the true nature of phenomena. So again, he's pointing, much like the Buddha did, to a quality of awareness which we can touch and later become more stable in, which is luminous, which is unbounded and infinite. And in the Dzogchen tradition, they also add the dimension of compassion and kind of the heart qualities. And I'll give one more characterization. Next slide. This is from the uh, 16th century, another teacher from the Mahamudra tradition, Dak Potashi And he, these are lines from some of his texts where he says, this is his description of this open state, open like the sky, pervasive like the earth unshakable like a mountain, shining like a flame, lucid like a crystal. So I think we're at the end of the slides. Is that true, Solon? Yeah. So I had fun assembling those, took you to Thailand, to Tibet, and got a sense of Uh, Awakening can be described in these different ways. It can be described as the working through of greed, aversion, and delusion. It can also be described as touching, often briefly, with practice, more stably, what I'm calling awakened awareness, which we can talk about as non-dual, boundless, luminous, spacious, and again, most of us probably have touched it, but just for a moment. And in the practices in the Thai forest tradition and in the uh, Tibetan traditions of Dzogchen and Mahamudra, there are practices actually that complement the practices given by the Buddha. The Buddha's practices are more like you develop these beautiful qualities, the, the mindfulness, the factors of awakening equanimity, concentration, and so forth. And then at times, you'll experience awakened awareness. In the Thai forest tradition, and in Dzogchen and Mahamudra, they actually gave very specific practices where we access awakened awareness, which were uh, typically, maybe I'll give some of those next week. You know, maybe to, I think for this week, I'm going to invite the cultivation of the factors of awakening you know, maybe one or two of them. But there also are ways to access this awakened awareness quite directly, you know, in in different ways. To first, we access it. You know, for most of us, it ex- it happens just by chance. It happens, again, maybe we're at a very peaceful place or we're in the wilds and it occurs. And then we, and suddenly... We have a moment where the mind is just open, you know, and some we some of us may notice this also these sometimes happen if one is experimented with psychedelics. These kind of uh experiences can also open up um i'm not I'm not recommending that you go out and do that right now uh but uh but it sometimes occurs there's some uh, for a lot of those there also can be downsides as as most of you know, so just want to qualify that. Uh, But what I wanna recommend particularly for next week is that we focus on cultivating uh, some of these beautiful qualities, uh, some of the factors of awakening or the qualities of the heart. And when I really uh, invite, you know, the awakened qualities named in the teaching, mindfulness, inquiry or investigation, That is, looking carefully at our experience. You know, that might be when we notice reactivity, really exploring it. That's investigation. Then there could be energy in the body. We can invite that energy to be there. There's energy when the mind gets more quiet and concentrated. There can be energy, sometimes it's helpful to do something, some uh, qigong or yoga, or take a walk. That helps there be more energy in the body. The fourth is joy, you know, or rapture, you know, and we can do different things to cultivate joy or rapture. We can be with beauty, the beauty of a flower or a tree or a forest or a mountain or the beauty of music or dancing or art and so forth. So uh, if you want to take this on, you might cultivate beauty, cultivate awareness of beauty every day. Anyone want to do that? Okay, that's, that's a beautiful practice, so what I'm going to be inviting is cultivate one or two of these more awakened qualities. The fifth is tranquility. There can be tranquility, which means that the mind gets very quiet, that can be a byproduct of meditation. Related also to concentration, which is different than tranquility. Concentration means we're really, really focused. Often there's tranquility when there's concentration, but there can be tranquility, we're just quiet, not much is happening, not necessarily concentrated, but that's also a beautiful quality. Concentration we can develop just by keeping on coming back to the breath or to what we're focused on. And then lastly, equanimity, which we develop by being present, especially spending a lot of time being present with whatever's there, including the hard stuff that develops equanimity. And then we can also be you know, we can also develop loving kindness or compassion or joy. Some of the heart qualities. So let me invite everyone just to go inside for a moment. What, what are two qualities do you want to focus on in the next week? Of the ones I named. You could just do our ordinary practice, and that would be developing mindfulness and concentration, equanimity. But what what appeals to you? Let me just give a little bit of silent time. What would you like to develop in the next week? And then I'll close with uh, that passage from uh, Dagpotashi Namgal, which, and listen to this passage with an open mind and see if it's evocative of what it's talking about. So just stay present. I'll close with this Open like the sky, pervasive like the earth. Unshakeable, like a mountain. Shining, like a flame. Lucid, like a crystal. How I many could resonate, at least some, with that passage and even feel it being evocative? Yeah. My mom really liked that passage, and she asked me, so I, I, I made something that she could put in her room, like a, a put it on a stand. Just those five lines. She really liked it. She said, "Oh, I want to hear that. Will you read that to me?" And she she loves to hear that. Great. So. Let's, let's have, uh, let's, let me maybe invite again just 30 seconds. Uh, what occurs to you? What do you want to ask about, share? Any questions about anything we explored, about your practice? I think 30, 40 seconds just to see what's there for you. Thank you. Thank you for seeing my slideshow. It was fun to put together and uh, show some of these wonderful beings. Any uh, thoughts, questions, reflections, sharing from your own experience? If you want to share, you know, I was in the forest and suddenly my mind was still and I felt uh, light coming through me or whatever. You want to share that? That's. I think that's pointing to this experience of awakened awareness uh Carolyn, please. Thank you. Yeah. So this being with the beauty and, and I, I love that as a, a practice, you know, that's, it's, can be wonderful when we experience it, but can it be something I deliberately um, seek out beauty every day? You know, maybe, maybe many of us do that, maybe with music or dance or art or the trees. Yeah. Other, anyone else want to share? Ask something. Yeah. This one, raise your hand. I think. If uh, the raised hand function is hard, uh, maybe between me and Tolan, we can see we can see most people. Holly, please. Uh, That's wonderful. Yeah. So just that, uh, the accessing of joy. Yeah. Yeah. The Buddha was called the happy one. (laughs) Yeah. And he's, you know, he said, uh, you know, the sign of awakening is joy. Yeah. Uh, Chase, please. That's beautiful. So, so Chase, there was really just being in that space. Something took you beyond yourself. Yeah, and it took you into awareness bigger than yourself. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, I think next week I'll I'll give some further uh, guidance, uh, maybe in the guided meditation or in the midst of the talk, we'll we'll take this further. Yeah. Other sharing or questions about any of this? It's interesting, you know, that I can say in my own experience, I have, uh, awakening has not been a primary focus in that much of the teaching that I've heard. I don't know if that's been your experience. I mean, we might mention awakening, but not right focusing on it. It's, it's there in some you know. questions. Sharing uh, questions can also be um, half-baked. Questions are encouraged, and I might give half-baked answers. Uh, Anna, please. Oh yeah. Um yeah, my my swimming meditation. I, I thank you for asking. Um I do uh yeah I, uh, swimming is probably my main form of exercise I think I think you know it's something I've I've done probably since I was very young I, I I've mentioned probably from time to time that I was a a competitive swimmer and I was a competitive swimmer when I was in college university I some of the people on our team were olympians which was pretty cool I wasn't an Olympian. Was not an Olympian. Uh but um anyway, so I've been swimming a lot. So what the practice that I do now, I've done a different practice different times, but now I do I do loving kindness practice when I swim. I have about uh I have a, a rhythm. I, I typically do uh you, you can yeah, do it any way you want, of course, but I do I typically do eight laps at a time. And I have two list of eight beings they're all people actually so i have eight people on a list i do eight laps i do one one uh uh person per lap and i typically when i'm when in, when i when there're not so many people in the lane and i don't have to give some attention to avoiding collisions um uh then i actually tend to be rhythmic and have like my my right arm comes and I, I say, okay, uh, may you be happy, may you be safe. So every time the right arm comes, so it has a kind of a rhythm. And, you know, typically I think I have seven or eight strokes and I'm, you know, that is about a lap. So so I, I have my four phrases with metta and I just go through them, typically uh, coordinated almost with my arm, although I haven't always done that but then uh, and then when i get to you know start the next lap i go to the second be second person and i go through uh go through eight then i stop for a while and then i have eight other beings <laughs> uh for a second round you know and um that's what i do yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I use the same people. I actually, you know, the, I usually do the same thing. I, I do uh, eight laps and then I rest for a while. Eight laps with the first eight beings, rest, then eight laps with the next eight, be- with the other set of eight. Then I rest. Then I do some kicking for a while, where <laughs> where I don't do metta, I just do awareness. And then I, I kick a few laps and then I come back and then I do another round of eight and eight and eight and I do some kicking. Then I come back eight and eight. So yeah, so it's, it's pretty rhythmic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do your own, see what works for you and you can report back and ha huh, anyone else here a swimmer? Okay. Yeah, you can anyone do loving kindness when you swim? Yeah. Okay, yeah, we can report back and there, you know, we could, you know, who knows? We could uh, we could collectively offer a workshop on meta-swimming. That sounds good. Or write a book together. Who knows? Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Maybe time for one more if anyone else wanted to share something or ask. Um, you know again, we're exploring awakening, and again, the larger teaching is that at times it's really important to to connect with these awakened, beautiful states, um, and it balances uh, when we're going into more challenging states. And both of those are that's the rhythm of our practice. We need both, because we, we don't learn you know the, a lot of the learning comes with the difficult states but we can also learn and establish new rhythms being with the beautiful state. So it's, it's interesting. It's a kind of, uh, uh, you know, sometimes our practice goes to one, sometimes to the other, eventually they can get integrated so that we can really, uh, be more and more balanced with difficult states, even possible to be with something like awakened awareness and maybe have anger and reactivity come through, but you don't get stuck. That's possible. Anyone want to have a last one before we finish? Okay, yeah, Ethan, thanks. Yeah. yeah 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 thank you thanks Ethan It's an important question and I like to frame it that uh, we have multiple practices and mindfulness is one of them, okay? So at times, things may be so strong or even overwhelming that mindfulness isn't going to work. And I think that's what you're pointing to in part. And we we could be really stuck in something and think we're being mindful because we kind of know what's happening, but we're actually lost in it or stuck in it. And that is actually uh, not so helpful. You know, and one of the ways that I work with this is to uh, have, to use that uh, level of intensity gauge and ask on a scale of one to 10, where am I? And with eights or nines or tens, it may be too much for our mindfulness, but maybe with a five or six, our mindfulness can be with it even though it's hard, right? And so we want to know the distinction between when we can be with it and when we're almost entirely lost in it. And when we're, when it's overwhelming or when we're really lost in it, then we would maybe have another practice that would help us come back to balance. It might be a practice of taking a walk or talking with someone or maybe doing a kind of practice, maybe dancing, right? Maybe do it, you know, have a, a repertoire a practices that help you come back to balance. It could be talking with a friend. It could be several of these in combination. It could be um, some meditative practices can be really good when we're overwhelmed, such as loving kindness. If you've been doing it a lot, loving kindness can actually but there we're not trying to be with what's happening. We're actually trying to shift the energy into a beautiful state. So it's actually not being mind the instructions there, it's not about being mindful, not about just staying with what's there. It's saying, this is too much for me. It's skillful to shift the state to come back to balance. So we can do that with these outer practices, take a walk, do something physical, talk to someone. Uh, we can also sometimes have inner practices, if they're developed enough, and they can be helpful. So... Uh, loving kindness in some of the old teachings was understood originally as an antidote to fear. When fear got really strong. And I've had friends who've described using, you know, loving kindness in prisons when they've got really upset, angry, fearful. Right. And so those are the two basic approaches. Either find do something which helps you come back to balance, sometimes an inner practice could do that. Sometimes it would be more outer. The key is to really uh, know that it's too much for my mindfulness. But if it's at a five or six level, it should be workable, even though it's hard. Okay. Thanks, Ethan. Does that get at it? Yeah, thank you. Okay, so let's close with um, thank you for... Thank you for your attention. Sorry, I've gone over just a little bit. So let's set the intention for the next week. Particularly developing awakened qualities every day in some way. And then we close by inviting the benefits of our time together to be there for us, to be there for those in our lives, and then beyond our own circles, to be there for all beings. May our time together be of benefit, ultimately to all beings, which includes us. So thank you so much, everyone. Uh, if you want to unmute, we can uh, say goodbye. I'll do my usual. Until next time. Thank you. Good to be with everyone. Enjoy the next week. Okay. okay. Yeah, you're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Good to be with everyone. Thank you. Thank you. you. Thanks, Tolan. Yay! Okay. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit org slash donate.